Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we are finishing up the Chad Batch arc. Yo! This is On the Wings of Kiradax, Season 7, Episode 3. And Unfinished Business, Episode 2. So, first of all, the fortune cookie, survival is one step on the path to living. Oof. I would argue that survival is the only step on the path oh, to living. Oh, very clever, Sam. But to recap, Cody and Rex got together found on the ba- during the Battle of Anaxes. They find that their plans are being defeated by an algorithm. They decide to enlist the help of the Bad Batch to go run a rescue operation, which ends up rescuing former 501st member Echo. And when we last found our heroes... Anakin, the Bad Batch, and Rex are deconnecting Echo from his pod in a tower above Skako Minor as they're being surrounded by droids. And so this episode is the big escape from the Techno Union HQ. An important note, we also learn that this is a officially unsanctioned mission, according to the narrator. So uh, the good guys are getting thoroughly swarmed. And Tech is working on decoupling Echo, but there's no extraction coming. Nothing's going to work. They end up sealing the doors behind them, and they're all in Echo's room. Yeah, remember that this whole situation was a trap? And so Watt, Tambor, and a bunch of battle droids are closing in on Tech as he's trying to get Echo free of the computer cables that are matrixed into his spinal cord. So just in time, they're getting him unplugged because Watt Tambor has sent forward the Decimator to weld through the doors. The Decimator is the size of a basketball and has a laser eye and is very cute. And it does not like organics at all. It does not. However, just in time, Echo gets unplugged and says, hey, there's a vent we can all crawl out through the ceiling. Wrecker flings everyone except for Anakin through the port. Yeets them bodily up into the shaft because he has the muscles. And then he doesn't want to get yeeted, but Anakin pulls him up just in time as the decimator sends out a little Tesla orb, Halloween shop vibes, and eviscerates the whole room. It is delightful. So they are sneaking along through the cooling shafts and we get to see poor Echo sitting there in hail spirits for someone who's not wearing a shirt. And apparently this is a cooling port. He's got frost (laughs) on his skin. And the only way out is along a long pipe crawl, hundreds of feet of pipe, which is apparently extra narrow because everyone, including Anakin, is having trouble walking across this thing. Yeah, they're tightrope walking across this tiny exposed pipe to get to a different techno-union pod. Atmosphere is still that noxious yellow. And of course, droids come out in front of them, droids come out behind them, Crosshair falls, Reko catches him. Anakin's like, anybody got a brilliant idea? And Tech is like, I do have a brilliant idea. It's me. I'm the smart one. Me. I'm a genius. I have the brilliant idea. And he plays his bird whistle, which calls Kiridax to them, which are the dragons from before. They manage to jump on top of the Kiridax and ride away. However, the droids surprisingly sprout techno wings and follow them. Everyone heads towards the Poltec base where the Poltec leader is like, you have broken your word. And Anakin's like, yeah, sorry. 
But then Rex steps up and gives a super inspiring speech as he shows off Echo, who's now fully roboticized and has one of his arms replaced with a little uh, astromech probatron. Yeah, it's called a scomp port. That just sounds insulting. Yeah. And they get together and decide to lay a trap for the Techno Union, who's rolling up with their entire army of flying droids as well as some orbtopuses. Yeah, so the Poltecs apparently decide war is fine because they promptly go to war against the Techno Union. So all the good guys are hiding when the droids show up and then Wrecker starts bowling and the fight is on like Donkey Kong. It's this really crazy fight. It seems to go back and forth and then the enormous orbtopuses show up. These things have a huge orb on top. They have three guns. I believe we saw something similar way back in season one. And Anakin says, I'll take this one, Rex, you take the other. Anakin easily handles his. Rex takes Wrecker and Hunter, and as they watch Anakin chop the lasers off, they're like, oh, that looks easy, and Wrecker just grabs Rex and flings him, and then Hunter up on top of this thing. They're chopping its laser eye beams off. Wrecker is holding up one of the legs, and they manage to defeat them. We end in victory. The Jedi are, of course, always welcome on Skako Minor, according to the Poltec, and... Echo thanks Rex because Rex came back for him. However, we do see a few longing shots of Echo feeling isolated and a little little spooky. But that ends that episode, moving us right into Season 7, Episode 4. Unfinished Business. Fortune cookie, trust placed in another is trust earned, which is just a very dense fortune cookie. Don't know how I feel about it. (laughs) The main thrust of this entire Bad Batch arc has been that the Republic is losing on every front on an axis, Mm -hmm. and rescuing Echo was not a silver bullet. They're still losing. But Echo has a plan. He wants to infiltrate Admiral Trench's dreadnought, plug into the comm center, and then feed Trench information so that the Republic will know his move before he makes it. As if he were back in his pod. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> the Bad Batch loads up into a shuttle and Echo dupes the signal of one of the ships so that he can cozy up and they can plug right into the dreadnought. It is all going swimmingly. What is not going swimmingly is the assault elsewhere on Anaxis. The Republic is attacking a separatist droid assembly plant. Mm -hmm. It is going very poorly. Although Mace Windu does get the best speech. He really does. He and Obi-Wan like somersault into this factory and Mace Windu is like, hang on, I need a moment. And he addresses the entire factory floor of droids. And he's like, at this point in the Clone War, I have killed 1,000 of your brethren. I believe it's 100,000. 100,000 of your brethren. You should lay down your arms. And they're like, blast him. Worth a try. Worth a shot. So- Back up on the Dreadnought, Admiral Trench is talking to his protocol droid, and he's like, get me the algorithm on Skako Minor. I want to calculate a counterattack to this. The request hits Echo right in the brain when he Mm -hmm. plugs into the comm center. He is about to send a response back when Tech is like, wait, we have to mask your IP address. Your ping is too low. (laughs) So they have to make it look like it's coming from Skako Minor, not 10 feet away from Admiral Trench. But everything goes great. Mace and Obi-Wan launch their attack. 
it is them against one million battle droids. Because the instructions that Echo gives Trench are to send all the droids everywhere against uh, Mace and Obi-Wan. Yep. And then Echo sends his transmission. And then he sends a double whammy feedback pulse to shut down all of the battle droids all at once. Mm -hmm. Tragically, Trench is too clever to be foiled. Tragically. He planted a bomb in the fusion reactor. Insert evil villain cackle. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Apparently it's big enough to blow up the planet. The entire planet. Mace finds the bomb. It has a ray shield around it. And then Echo is working on decrypting the disarm code. And there's this amazing scene of Echo feeding number by number the code to Mace Windu. And then Mace Windu is using the force through the ray shield to toggle the code in. But then... Trench figures out that Echo is plugged into the comm center 10 feet down the hallway, mm -hmm. takes him out of commission with an electrical pulse to the brain, and Mace just needs one more number to disarm the bomb. So Anakin goes after Trench. Yep. He marches into Trench's headquarters. He slices off his robo arms and holds him at saber point, and he gets Mace the final number. And Mace disarms the bomb, and then Anakin runs Trench through with his lightsaber. Importantly, that was in self-defense, because Trench did pull out his little scepter and try to shock Anakin. Okay, we will talk about that later. Yes. I will say it only took seven seasons, but we do finally now know that Trench actually is dead. Yeah. Which is delightful. So there's an amazing final scene. The Bad Batch clears out of the ship. Anakin has a present for Wrecker. It is a detonator that he took off of Trench's throne. Yeah. Admiral chair. And Wrecker wipes away a single tear as he blows the entire Separatist fleet to smithereens. And then I wiped away many tears <laughs> as the Bad Batch invite Echo to be part of their crew. They do. And they have a wonderful going away talk where Rex is like, if you feel like you don't fit in with the rest of the regs, then go with them. Then that's where you belong. And then Echo marches up to join the Bad Batch. And as one, they salute Rex and the episode closes. And this was simply the best. Yep. It was great. That's the episode. So where do you want to start? I have lots to say. Okay. I still don't understand why we're on an axis. I'm not going to lie. Well, the main thrust of this, and interestingly enough, it makes a little bit less sense in the meta context of the order we watched it in. But the message in these last two episodes, there was a strong element of can Echo be trusted? Mm -hmm. Things are feeling really dicey in the third episode. And they're cribbing a lot from the Locutus of Borg plot from Star Trek The Next Generation, where Captain Picard gets taken by the Borg, and then he's using his technology and his brain as an individual of the Borg to defeat the Federation. Oh, spicy. Yeah. And then they de-Borgify him, but he still has nightmares for years. Yikes. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun arc, particularly because that's from like 1994 and people were not ready for that back then. Yeah, it feels like this Clone Wars is not afraid to show the lingering effects of war. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember feeling a million years ago when we were talking about seasons one and two and even three, 
There was a feeling that I had that when a Clone Wars episode ended, it's almost like there wasn't enough time to explore the backlash yeah. of the episode. And I remember being frustrated sometimes that the episode ended, the credits roll, big fanfare. And I'm like, wait, we have a lot of trauma to unpack. Mm -hmm. And so what we see Echo going through, I didn't realize when we saw him briefly at the end of the second episode of this arc last week. But it's not just his arm that's been replaced. His entire lower body has been grievous. Yeah. He's got sockets all over his skull, all up and down his spinal column. He basically has his left arm and his torso and his head. Mm -hmm. And that is what is left of his human flesh component. He never gets his color back. He's pale. He's washed out. You can see the veins in the sides of his head. Oh, he has a skull with about 60 pounds of meat and 25 pounds of metal on it. Yeah, for real. He is rough looking. And I kind of think the closest that we got to this is when Ahsoka left the Jedi Temple at mm. the end of season five. She said, this was too much for me to handle. I have to walk away. I think Echo's experience is the most deeply traumatizing thing that we've seen someone walk away from yeah. and not recover from at the end of the episode. And his recovery is really interesting as well, because at the beginning of the fourth episode of this arc, the second episode today, he's walking into the Jedi Council saying, I have a plan. And Rex is like, Hold on, partner. Yeah, like we just got you showered off. We got yeah. you a new uniform. Maybe it's time for bed rest. Yeah. And Echo says, I know how to defeat them. I have this great plan. And it's still a little bit untested, which is really interesting. The thing that Echo wanted to do to get back into the fight, I wonder if it's that he feels he didn't do enough or if he doesn't feel like he's enough, he's trying really hard to do the right things. And later on, when he's feeding the numbers to Mace, Tech is like, you are being traced. You need to unplug now. We can all escape this planet. And the planet explodes no big. And uh, Echo is staying plugged in long enough to try to save the day. He's he's going all out in some effort to either prove himself to himself or to... He doesn't seem to be proving himself to his brothers so much. I would guess, and this is total speculation, the saving grace of Echo's imprisonment for him was that he didn't seem to be aware of what he was doing. Yeah. He was in this cybernetic fugue state in this like chilled chamber. Mm -hmm. They were, the techno union was hacking straight into his brain yeah. and he didn't know what he was doing. And we talked last episode about the guilt that Rex was carrying for mm -hmm. leaving a man behind. But imagine how Echo is feeling now that he's woken up. Yeah. Now that he knows that he has been actively killing his brothers. Yeah, he very much feels that, and he really wants to take the fight back to the Separatists. But yeah, I think what he was doing was proving that he can make amends for what he's done. It's very Black Widow, like there's red in my ledger. Mm, yeah, yeah. And the Bad Batch doesn't trust him because they just unplugged him. And Rex is like, I think Rex has an inkling that something is up with the clones because of what five said to him that something might be in their heads and the separatists might have activated it 
So this whole episode's a lot about trust at a really low level. And I feel like Echo's really trying to overcome that. And also his trust in himself. I mean, it was dicey for me not knowing if Echo was going to be loyal or not. Mm. You came over as I was watching as Echo was plugged into the comm center. And I paused it right before his grand plan happened. And he act- he deactivated all of the droids. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, there's going to be a horrible betrayal. And I'm going to be crying. And it's going to be bad. Yeah. But he did the thing. It just wasn't enough. It wasn't. But that's because Trench is good. Yeah, Echo had another step to take, which was feeding the disarming code to Mix Windu to actually save the day, which he did. Which he did. This is a really cool arc for the pacing, but as a whole, the Bad Batch arc of season seven, when I first watched it, I was amazed at how militaristic it feels and how jingoistic and like uh, blatantly patriotic it feels. Because in the larger meta-narrative, during the initial Clone Wars, America was reeling from the effects of the long war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and we were still trying to hold together some semblance of meaning for those wars. And by 2020, the situation had changed quite a bit, and we had its a lot of it feel in this first arc, it feels like an army commercial. You think the Bad Batch arc feels like an army commercial? It does. Interesting. I feel like the Bad Batch are the anti-army. I don't think they would have made it through basic. Well, so that's the thing that maybe at the time I was primed for. And you and I were having this conversation earlier. You asked me why uh, specifically young men play war-themed video games. Is it... Um, a power fantasy to enact your will? Is it like the fast twitch? Is it the planning? And I'm like, it's kind of all of the above as well as boredom. But a big component of that is this concept of wanting to be this extreme hero. And you see this in, there's a whole, uh, just as my demographics that, you know, Amazon and Google can see, they're like, oh, you are a 30 something white male. Let's sell you truck nuts and bandoliers and guns and gun scopes and stuff just because they know my income level and they know my ethnic background. It's very disturbing. And that is kind of the audience that the Bad Batch is tuned to is people who want to be cool special forces dudes. Hmm. That's so interesting because what I loved about the Bad Batch in the first two episodes of this arc was like, They were hammy. They had Mm -hmm. big, distinct personalities. They had great lines. You couldn't predict what they were going to do. They felt totally new. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel that in the last two episodes of this arc. You didn't feel like you could predict what they were going to do? No, I I think they were not able to showcase what was fun and special about them so much because the story shifted from, look how cool the Bad Batch is. They're going to save the day Mm -hmm. to... We need to start cooking with gas on the foreshadowing for Revenge of the Sith. We need to get Anakin from point A to point B. We need to wrap up this story with Echo and Rex. And it felt like the rest of the Bad Batch took the backseat. I mean, Hunter got one line, which I am personally offended by. Crosshair did get his extremely cool fight scene oh as my well God. as Wrecker. Oh my so. God. I had to hold myself physically back from talking about it in the plot recap because I was trying to zip through. 
The scene of the Bad Batch clearing off of the ship at the end of the fourth episode is amazing. So they're completely surrounded continuously. They're marching through a bunch of doorways and they're running along. Uh, at one point, Wrecker hands Hunter his gun and Hunter's holding his guns out akimbo, one each direction. Wrecker's been holding his helmet over his head like a football player, you know, just chugging water. And he puts it on, cracks his <laughs> knuckles and charges the the robots. He just grabs one, uses it to beat up a bunch more, grabs a third one's gun, shoots all the ones he's holding. And he's like, rah, rampage. And then Crosshair completely ones up him. He like zooms through the entire ship. He's flinging these little magnetic plates Mm -hmm. at intervals all along the walls. And then a bunch of droids come charging after them. And he fires one blaster shot and the shot ping, 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 pings off of every plate. And it knocks down all the droids. Like 55. And Wrecker is furious. <laughs> and it is amazing. Because as as they're running along, Crosshair is like, I'll be right behind you. And Wrecker's like, oh, he's going to get a higher score than me. <laughs> and he totally does. And then Tech's like, oh, don't worry, Wrecker. You'll get him next time. And Crosshair's like, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> See, more of that, please, God. Mm-hmm. Well, they do get their own TV show, and it's just them. There's no... Anakin, there's no Rex, there's no Trench. Good, because it's kind of what Hunter said at the end of the third episode on the wings of Caradax. He's like, ugh, it's impossible to compete with a Jedi, why bother? And Mm. I'm like, yeah, when Anakin's in the scene, the Bad Batch does not get to be the Bad Batch. They're just a bunch of clone stand-ins. Yeah. So like, peace out, Girl Scout. Anakin, your time is up. Something that I noticed particularly in this episode, and I think is indicative of season seven that we haven't seen quite yet, is that the number of droids necessary to illustrate that this is a dangerous situation seems to have drastically decreased. Hmm. When Mace and Obi-Wan are in a room surrounded by droids, there's only like three or 400 in there, which we've seen Ahsoka take out that many in like season two. But now, perhaps, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure it's not a budgeting thing, but perhaps because they can't scale up to, you're now surrounded by a million bajillion droids. It's like, okay, there's a hundred, but these are good. That changes, I guess, the the balance of power, which I think is really interesting and maybe puts it in the realm of it looks proper when the Bad Batch and Anakin are kind of surrounded by like 20 droids and overwhelmed by that many. It's it's actually kind of going back to, do you recall the Battle of Christophsis? I absolutely do remember the Battle of Christophsis because, Sam, I did my research for oh. these episodes, and I actually went all the way back to Season 2, Episode 16, Cat and Mouse. Which is, like, chronologically the 
first, second episode It was the, of the very Wars? first episode that yeah. we watched for the Clone Wars. It's when Bail Organa needs um, like a mercy mission down to Christophsis to feed the people. Mm-hmm. And then Admiral Yularen and Anakin are fighting the offensive against this mystery separatist general. And Yularen is like, wait, this feels really familiar. And then he thinks about it and he realizes that his trench come back from the dead. Well, I'll be darned. And that's the that's the tail end of Christophsis, which is, is the battle from the Clone Wars movie. So to answer your question in a very long way, I absolutely do remember the Battle of Christophsis. But I'm remembering the beginning of the Battle of Christophsis when Obi-Wan and Anakin are in those skyscrapers and all of a sudden the doors open and there's like 40 droids coming in. And oh, in yeah, close yeah, yeah. quarters, that's enough. So totally. maybe that's what's going on here. Yeah, there were some really clever shots going on in the fourth episode when Obi-Wan and Mace Windu are in the droid assembly plant. Mm -hmm. And we're on trenches screens watching a million battle droids all reinforcing at the plant. But what you see where Obi-Wan and Mace are is they have to bottleneck through the sliding doors. Mm -hmm. So they didn't actually have to animate a million droids, they had to animate the crush at the double doors, which was pretty clever to show, to kind of be showing a lot less and implying that there are a lot more. Yeah. So I'm reminded of, I'm going to read Mace's speech here because it's great. So Mace jumps out of a lander after bombing a whole bunch of stuff, lands on top of a bunch of crates and is surrounded by droids. He says, my name is General Mace Windu of the Jedi Order. At this point of the Clone War, I have dismantled and destroyed over 100,000 of you Type 1 battle droids. I'm giving you an opportunity to peacefully lay down your weapons so that you may be reprogrammed to serve a better purpose than spreading the mindless violence <laughs> and chaos which you have inflicted upon the galaxy. Blast him! And Obi-Wan <laughs> says, well, I guess it was worth a try. So in the Tartakowski Clone Wars, there is a very fun fight where there's this giant planet stomper. It's like this city block cubic sized spaceship and it just stomps and stomps and stomps. It causes like massive shockwaves and Mace Windu has to fight an entire army with that thing. That is delightful. And it is... In retrospect, about 100,000 droids there. So they're trying to set like some sense of scale for the wars and the battle. But my gosh, the, the sense of scale is interesting to me. This this whole episode, the second half of this arc, kind of changes the way I view the Clone Wars through a lens of propaganda or incitement or something. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm so glad you brought up the Tartakovsky Clone Wars because I got big Tartakovsky vibes in the Techno Union battle at the Poltec village. Yeah. The whole battle, none of the clones are talking. There's no dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hand gestures. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fighting some really funky droids like these different droids that are kind of monstrous. And that's something Tartakovsky did really well. Basically, every single battle had different droids, which made sense. And they later did that in Water Wars. They had water droids. 
What I loved about the Tartakovsky Clone Wars is that there's always a big bad in those battles. Yeah. And then they've all got their support troops, right? So the mm-hmm. big bad in the Poltec village battle was the walkers, right? Yeah. And there were so many shots that had that heroic animation style like we would see Anakin's silhouette against the dark and he would somersault off of his cliff and he would be whirling around the walkers and it's so hard to pin it down in words because it's like a visual to visual reference but I just it almost felt like I was watching the Tartakovsky clone were superimposed over what was on screen it was wild it was so beautiful yeah there was much more effort put in stylistically in these battles yeah they are stylish they're scary they're very violent they are the walkers in the poltec village are also just blasting with this big sound and it's kind of really scary and it brings to mind for me when the battle gets sketchy in return of the jedi on endor and so there's yeah, it was very evocative of that. This These two episodes really encapsulate a lot of the mystery and war ups and downs of individual battles in Star Wars for me. Mm, that's cool. I loved the Poltec village battle. I was devastated that we did not get another Plan 82 shockwave. <laughs> But you did get to see Wrecker. He's watching as two Poltecs, one's dragging another, and the walker is about to crush them. Wrecker, who's already done his job, which is yeeting Rex and Hunter, goes up. (laughs) He lifts up and body presses the walker leg above himself. Yeah, he atlases. He puts the entire weight of the walker on his biceps. And then he just shoves it. And it falls and dominoes the other one. It was very cool. Yeah. It was also very beautiful to see Rex take the lead in that battle. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, Hunter, Wrecker, you're with me. Because Echo is free. The Separatists don't have their playbook anymore. Mm -hmm. He gets to be the strategist again. He gets to call the shots. Yeah. Because there's no one on the other end predicting his moves. And I thought that was a very beautiful subtle full circle moment for him to get to come back into, you know, the fullness of his power. Yeah. So that means implicitly, I guess that the other clones and Anakin are together and that's what's happening in the Poltec village battle. Echo is spotting for crosshair and Anakin's kind of watching over everything. Mm. And it's interesting because normally Anakin is someone who leads from the front, but when we see him fight in season seven, He is not the army killing machine that he was before. Mm. I just, it's, it's slightly noticeable in this context, like season one, season two, Anakin sees 300 droids in front of him and just no problem. Even when I went back to season two to watch cat and mouse, the first 10 minutes of the episode is Anakin being kind of mad that Obi-Wan is pulling him back from the front. Right. Mm -hmm. And he reveals this invisible stealth ship and Anakin's like, oh, great, I can take out the entire fleet from behind. And Obi-Wan is like, no, I need you to run the mercy mission with the supplies down to the starving people. Mm -hmm. And Anakin is super mad about it. He is so bloodthirsty in the earlier seasons. So let's talk about Anakin's bloodthirst. When he goes to Trench, Trench is like, I'll never tell you the code. Count Dooku will kill me. 
Anakin says, you think I won't? And Trench says, oh, you're a Jedi, you're noble. Anakin slices off his robo-legs and says, I don't have such weaknesses. This is a huge Anakin moment. Mm-hmm. We have so little time before Revenge of the Sith, and we have to do so much to bridge Anakin from where we've seen him to Anakin where he is in episode three. Mm-hmm. Episode three, Nikin, as it were. <laughs> oh my God. Like we've seen these moments and I think they are startling and horrifying. Do you remember in season six when Padme gets thrown in jail on Scipio? Yes. And he comes to pick her up and he is so atrocious to her. He was the worst. But there's so much unspoken characterization of him in that moment. We land and the camera is just panning on his legs as he's marching to the prison. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly pans up to like big beefy season six Anakin. His clothes are getting darker. His hair is getting longer. And he's so mad at Padme for hanging out with her ex-boyfriend. He's like, I should just leave you in prison. Yeah. And so these moments have been peppered throughout. Now we get this moment where Anakin essentially says he's not a Jedi. Yeah, he does not have such weaknesses. Is he referring to the nobility or is he referring to being a Jedi? Now, I think he might really no longer think of himself fully as a Jedi, but something more or something different. I would imagine something more because I was thinking about the like the power that is coursing through him in that moment and how he feels superior to the Jedi. Right? He's Mm -hmm. like, I don't have that weakness. It's not like he says, I don't have that moral code or I don't have that foible. He says, I don't have that weakness. Right? So he thinks he is stronger. He thinks he's better than the Jedi. Not to mention that his mission, this whole mission to rescue Echo, is unsanctioned by the Jedi Council. Yeah. But how many times has Anakin been like, ah, yes, unsanctioned mission, whatever, the results are fine. We see that back in the uh, the malevolence arc when he rescues Plo Koon. Well, that's Ahsoka's entire Padawan training, Yeah, right? She's like, well, I learned from my Jedi Master Anakin that as long as things shake out okay, the ends justify the means. And so... Anakin now realizes that the council has no sway over him and he's something more. Yeah. And I think Ahsoka leaving had a bigger impact on that than I realized in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, Mace and Obi-Wan say, okay, Anakin, take the Bad Batch, go rescue Echo. They don't get the full Jedi Council, but there's some senior Jedi. Yeah who are approving this. They're not saying no. But the last time we hung out with the full Jedi Council and Anakin is when they were making the wrong call with Ahsoka. And when they're making the wrong call with Yoda. Right, absolutely. And so I think Anakin looks at them and he's like, I'm not going to go to them and just let them make the wrong call again. Yeah, he's he's going to just make his own decisions and do what's right. We're just seeing... All of the ties that bind him snapping Mm -hmm. one by one by one. So then when he ends up stabbing Trench Mm. and taking him out of his misery, I... uh, Is he? No, not really. (laughs) Yeah. He just is missing his robo limbs and that's fine. He's fine. Um, 
The first time I watched this episode, I thought he stabbed Trench in cold blood. It's only on this watch through that I saw that he was doing it in some semblance of self-defense. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. Maybe Admiral Trench has scary robo-venom or he can bear hug you in his eight spider arms and like crush you to death. We don't know that he could have killed Anakin. I don't think he could have. It seemed like he picked up his robo-bopper. His shock prod? Yeah, and was going to shock Anakin, and Anakin easily dodged it and then stabs him. I mean, he really pissed Anakin off. Yes. So it's a very funny scene right before this happens, because Trench is sitting there. He's like, all right, we took out whoever was deprogramming my droids. The algorithm has failed us. It's never failed us before. This is fine. A good general never relies on plans. <laughs> tactical droid, go go take care of my orders. Leave me. The tactical droid goes, walks out the door, and Anakin's there with his angry face and takes apart the tactical droid. And Trench is like, ah, crud. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. Yeah. It's morally bankrupt, but it's cool. Well, you had to get those codes, otherwise the planet would blow up. Here's what made me feel a little bit better about the Admiral Trench plotline. Yeah? Was going back to the first time we met him mm-hmm. and seeing what a D-bag he is. He's, not a, he's devious. His dialogue in season two, Cat and Mouse, mm-hmm. he says something completely wild when he's closing in on the Republic ships. He's like... Smells like fear, smells good. Uh, and you're like, Ugh! which is like normally my reaction with Trench, but he's got that like butter voice. Like he's fun to listen to. He is. Just he's also not a very nice spider. No, but like he's a good general. He's a great general. All of the bad guys we've seen in season seven so far have been clever and interesting and relatable and kind of cybernetic yeah sort of with um so we've seen maul recently mm-hmm. who is a who is for, a, for a, a cyber man yeah we saw wat tambor yeah who is some conglomeration of organic and droid or is he all droid he's mostly organic oh. i think he might wear roller skates though because dude Rolls. If I were a supervillain, I would also wear roller skates. Oh, yeah. And I, cool asses. Especially if I'm just wearing like a huge robe, I would have like a a frame so that you couldn't see what I was doing underneath the robe, and then have like a segue, and I'd just like zip around. Yeah, amazing, hilarious. We saw Admiral Trench, who's yep. half Robo Spider. But then also in the uh, Teen Girls attempt to sell drugs poorly <laughs> arc, we see Marg Krim, who's like. I don't know, he's a pike, yeah. and the pike are masked, which is similarly dehumanizing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which So this all fed into my fear that Echo was going to have some big betrayal, right? Because a lot of the times in the Clone Wars, I feel like when we see people losing bits and pieces of their organic matter mm-hmm. and getting replaced with cybernetics, it's a bad thing. Yeah, definitely. And so I thought I was cluing in on this like subtext that Echo is more machine than man and he was going to turn back to the techno union and he was going to have this grand betrayal. Yeah, well, that is definitely the message that was attempting to be sent. Yeah, it didn't feel like a stretch. No, which is good, which is good. And at the end of that, when Echo finishes his arc here 
and he is like, hey, I don't fit in with the regs anymore. I am more machine than man. And the Bad Batch are like, you got a home with us. Aww. Like, we're we're weirdos, too. You'll you'll fit in with us. Oh, It'll be fine. Amazing. Yeah. He gets even the little skull on his armor that you can see when he's hacking into the comm center just mm-hmm. felt like this beautiful foreshadowing. I feel like he's wearing like leftover armor. Maybe it's oh, like absolutely. tech's leftover armor or something. Because it's the only one that'll fit. Yeah, because tech is also skinny, but Echo is emaciated. My gosh. You can see all of his ribs. Yeah. The last thing that I really loved about Trench and Echo was that going back to the first time we met Trench, Mm -hmm. there's such a beautiful parallel between his story and Echo's story. Trench is the villain who came back from the dead to Mm -hmm. wreak havoc on the clone army. And Echo's the one who came back from the dead to save it. Yeah. As a cyborg. Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? That is cool. I loved that. Side note, if we were redoing our episode on Cat and Mouse, which I feel like we should because it's great, Admiral Yularen would absolutely be my bae. Really? Oh, my God. He figured out because a strategy felt familiar to him that a general he thought was dead 20 years ago had come back from the dead? What a legend. So- at this point of the Clone Wars, we have watched 70 episodes of Clone so, Wars. So we've watched well, 120 episodes of yes, the Clone Wars. And we've made 70, well, I guess like 65 of the episodes of the podcast yeah. are, are Clone Wars. And the standards for Baywatch have changed. Ooh. Just because I have turned you into a super fan and I've made myself into a different kind of fan. What is your different kind of fandom? Well, there exists in the Star Wars community a lot of toxicity and uh, conservatism in the fan base of people who are like, anything written after the first 20 minutes of Empire Strikes Back (laughs) can get out of town. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, The original trilogy was a masterpiece and nothing has stood up to it ever since. But watching particularly The Clone Wars, which is very well regarded, although a lot of so-called super fans never watched it because like, oh, it's a kid's show. Watching it with an eye for this like deep critical analysis of the plots and themes has really led me to appreciate the characters as a character story. And I think that it's really interesting back in gosh, it would have been the mid oddies because that was just an interesting time to be alive on the internet. I read a, a think piece by someone who posited that star Wars being in a galaxy long, long ago and far away is a bunch of humans and humanoids dressing up, telling a story, but the story is actually being told by a hive species. And that makes sense that only some of the species have the powers, the force, and there's basically zero females. And the whole story is males. As we've ground out the story and added the Clone Wars and added the Bad Batch and Rebels, we've actually turned it into something that is a fully fleshed, compelling universe. Mm. And that isn't how it used to be. 
And I look back on when I started watching The Clone Wars, which is years after it came out, and realize how cool it is and how much it adds to the work in a way that is better than anything else that I've come across. And I read a ton of the Star Wars books back in the day, but I think Clone Wars tells a more interesting story. I think that is really beautiful because I think the process of watching the Clone Wars so closely has also turned me into a different kind of fan because I come in and I'm all about the characters, mm-hmm. right? I That's why we have Baywatch because I'm like, let me talk about the characters. Yeah. But over 120 episodes of The Clone Wars, what I've come to appreciate more is themes and structures and pacing and callbacks and the the reverberations of Star Wars on this piece of media, right? Yeah. Even when I was watching this arc, we continue to see the reverberations of earlier seasons, right? The Bad Batch feels like an episode that is calling back to season one, right? Mm-hmm. The Anakin injured arc with the pacifist lurman. You know, you have to decide if you're going to make this war your war, if you're just going to lay down and let people walk all over you. It's giving season two with bounty hunters, right? Like I'm able to see now how Star Wars is talking to itself. Yeah. And I think that's fun. And that's something that I've never had before. And I think that out of all the things that George Lucas really tried to do with uh, surprisingly Return of the Jedi, I guess, first, and then going back to make the prequel trilogy, when he said, it's like poetry, it rhymes, Mm -hmm. he was twigging on to some deep facts about history there. And we talk Mm -hmm. a lot about history on this podcast, Mm -hmm. a lot of historical things. And there are so many callbacks to, oh, this is just like that time. This is just like that time. It's kind of meme culture. It's kind of Darmak and Jalad, which is another Next Generation reference. So it's this like idea of moving forward with things that people are aware of and tapping into those fundamental core ideas and stories that have already been told, retelling them, repackaging them, and telling a new story is what Star Wars, the Clone Wars specifically, is all about. And I love it. Yeah. I'm here for it. I have one more tiny note before we get to Baywatch. Because we've been building up to Baywatch for a while. I know. I know. But I want to talk about Wat Tambor really fast. Wat Tambor. Just like Wat Tambor roller skates into the fiery, ruined wreck mm-hmm. of his research facility He's after like, Wrecker exploded it. Is he like the prisoner escaped? No. The people got away? No. no. They've ruined years of research. And they've absconded with Techno Union property. (laughs) What a relatable evil villain thing to say. I know. Yeah. Like, bring back my science experiment, you pigs. Like, what? (laughs) Save the banks and the girl, but leave the science. (laughs) Do you think the Techno Union is just filled with like academic nerds trying to outrank each other with like the latest and greatest patents? Are they all trying to like get more citations on their research than each other? I mean, that would be fun, but it's also building a better mousetrap. They're building better and better droids to sell to each other. It's kind of backstabby. I mean, they're they're this medium's wizards and that they have these arcane inscrutable but also relatable just insane motives for doing what they do 
I think the techno union is a deep critique on higher ed. And that's that's my claim and I'm sticking to it. I always read them as a military industrial complex, but honestly, the amount of money that the DOE, which is in charge of America's nuclear arsenal, puts into particle accelerators means that that is a closed loop for the military industrial complex and higher ed in some capacities, not to mention things like MK Ultra and all the fun experiments the CIA did as far as like, hey, let's take a bunch of chemists and dose them with LSD and see what happens. Yeah, amazing. So, I love this. Yeah. And okay. that's what the Techno Union is all about. Okay, delightful. And they were rollerblades. So perfect. Yeah, really? I mean, that was the CIA's big problem. <laughs> not enough rollerblades. Not enough rollerblades. <laughs> If you're if you're out there listening to me, and I know you are, I can see you. We're rollerblades. Okay, I feel like it is time for Baywatch. It's definitely time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. Sam, who's your bay? Ah man, it's Echo. It's Echo. It's Echo. It's Echo's story. Echo. 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 It's Echo's story. It's the story of Echo, Echo coming back to life, Echo having to overcome trust issues, having to overcome his own inadequacies. And then at the end, it's his decision point. Mm. It's his, do I want to be part of the 501st and work for Rex again, who saved me, who's my brother, who I worked so closely with, or... Do I have some real deep stuff to work through? And I want to work with the Bad Batch now, who I feel a kinship to now because I don't think that I'm ready to go back to my normal life as if everything was normal. And what I love about Echo's decision in that last moment is we get this really beautiful close-up on Rex's face. And the animation rigs are so good Mm -hmm. in season seven. You can watch this entire thought process cross Rex's face. He's like, you know, Echo, like you're back with me and things can go just back to the way that they were. And it's going to be great. And you're going to be my brother again. And I'm sorry I left you. And we get closer and closer and closer to Rex's face. And then as we pan behind, Echo has already joined the Bad Batch. Like he didn't even need to hear it. He didn't even need to think about it. He was like, no, I know what I need to do. And I know where I need to be. And Rex knew that. Mm -hmm. Rex knew when he said, you have a decision to make. Merely by the fact of giving him a decision, he already knows the answer. Mm. And I think he would have even pushed Echo into the Bad Batch if Echo had chosen differently Mm. because he knows that that is the right type of thing for him because he can't. I mean, he could, but Rex using Echo as an ARC trooper again doesn't really make as much sense, specifically now that Rex has seen the Bad Batch do their Bad Batch thing. Mm. And he's like, I kind of need to be willing to let my little babies fly. So Rex learned the lesson to let Echo go, but this is totally Echo's story. And there's a beautiful moment right after Tech pulls out his duck call and calls the Oh my God, the cure deck distress call. He records everything. And Echo yellows off the pipe. Oh my God, he's the first one off the pipe. And I was just like, this dude is so tired of not living his life. It's like... (laughs) 
Yeah. He's got one working hand for grabbing a Kiridak, and he's like, whatever. And then as they ride off, Rex is on the back of his Kiridak. And he's like, how you doing, Echo? And Echo's got this big smile on his face. He's like, never better. Never better. Because, I mean, that's what he's been missing. He wants to be the peak clone. Remember, oh my gosh, way back. One million years ago. No, okay. This is the Alina episode. Oh, yeah. Season four. Season four. And as they're landing, as um, Close Bros, Wolf. The Wolf Pack. The Wolf Pack is landing. They come down. There's a bunch of Alina riding dragonfly monsters. And the pilot's like, oh, another one of these planets. (laughs) But Echo sees a dragon. He's like, I bet I can ride that. Like, He's going to have fun. I love that one of the first thing he says when he gets free from mm-hmm. the cybernetic matrix style cable system, he looks up at Rex and he's like, boss, I got a big headache. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, my baby, I feel you. I have a big headache from crying tears Aww. because of you. Aww. Because I love you. Aww. I love them so much. So that's my Baywatch. Who is yours? That is a fantastic choice. I'm going with Mace Windu. <laughs> Fair. Mace Windu for the speech, Obvi. Mm-hmm. The speech is fantastic. For calling for Obi-Wan to evacuate the entire facility while Mace goes deeper in to find the bomb mm-hmm. that's going to blow the entire planet. He went after the ray-shielded fusion bomb in the nuclear reactor Mm -hmm. for using the force through a ray shield with, like... Little slidey things, as if it were a soundboard. I mean, as if he was playing the surgery game. (laughs) Where you gotta, like, fit your tweezers through without getting the shock. This is true, because I'd imagine that, like, doing something really twitchy with the force from, like, 10 feet away. Through a ray shield. Not the easiest thing. Not the easiest thing in the world. It's the delicacy that's tough. It's the delicacy for me. Like, we so often see Mace Windu being the most burly user of the force in the Clone Wars. Not even Anakin does what Mace does with the force. And then all of a sudden we're seeing him doing this really fiddly operation and it's beautiful. But that said, whenever Mace does apply force, either military or whatever. Capital F, lowercase f as well. (laughs) Yeah, force equals Mace times yo behind. uh, (laughs) He's doing it with extreme precision Mm -hmm. and i think that's really cool also in episode four of this arc when echo shows up and rex is like hold your horses padna mace is like let's hear the trooper out yeah totally mace is absolutely willing just to trust that echo knows what he's doing knows what he's about and be like yeah if you feel like you're ready then i feel like you're ready which Perhaps speaks to Mace understanding the clones very well, Mm. or perhaps it speaks to Mace. And here's a dark thought. Maybe he knows that this isn't how the clones are going to betray him. Mm, Maybe. Yeah. I think they've, I think the whole Jedi Council has put that on the back burner for now. I think they're very busy, you know, putting Yoda's big plan into action, which is ending the Clone Wars as soon as possible. Yeah. And Mace is like, if this clone is volunteering to do a big job and he feels ready, I'm going to let him do it. And Dave Filoni and Dee Bradley Baker did some extra footage for Mm -hmm. this arc. And Dee Bradley Baker said, 
There's nothing that a clone wants more than to fight alongside his brothers. This arc was about Mm. getting Echo back alongside his brothers so he could be where he could be happiest. And I think Mace knows that too. Yeah, it does seem like the kind of thing that he would know and he would work with because Mace, who we've gotten to see more of in the last two seasons, which I really appreciate, has had a really cool effect of he just, he's like the perfect Jedi. He just doesn't care about, oh, this looks impossible. Oh, this requires someone to jump hundreds of feet. Oh, this requires someone to stab a tank. He's like, ah, oh, man, I'm going to be late. <laughs> yes. I mean, if we're talking about perfect Jedi, then it's going to be Obi-Wan for me. Uh, but... <laughs> Obi-Wan gets like very few lines. In Obi-Wan is an seven, A plus honestly. for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Obi-Wan's conflicted in his own ways. Which I love him for. Yeah. Anyway, it's Mace Windu. I like that. That's interesting. That's an interesting. It's the first time I've ever picked Mason, it just felt right. He's kind of he's he's mid level in the Baywatch rankings. He occasionally gets a tag. Yeah, this is I'm I'm knighting him with the Baywatch wand. Rise, Mace Windu, Jedi Master. Jedi Master. So, Sam, we have some interesting episode finagling going on for the next couple of weeks. Know, Can you walk been, us through it? It's been so smooth for so long, and we're just going to throw We're just going to wreck it. We're just going to wreck it. We're we're just gonna gonna wreck wrecker it. it. Okay. So, here's our thinking. Season 7 is made up of three arcs. Each arc is made up of four episodes. We've watched two out of those three arcs. What we're going to do is we are going to watch Season seven's episode 9 and 10. Old Friends Not Forgotten, and The Phantom Apprentice. Then we are going to go back and rewatch Phantom Menace in one podcast episode. We're going to rewatch Attack of the Clones in one podcast episode. Because I literally do not remember what happened. Then we are going to watch Revenge of the Sith in two podcast episodes. And then we're going to finish up The Clone Wars with Season 7, Episodes 11 and 12, Shattered and Victory and Death. And And hopefully that should chronology us through. Yes, because some of that stuff happens simultaneously. And uh, we might take a little, little vacation after that. But we'll be back for Bad Batch. Yahoo! So my boy. Yeah. And my gosh, there's there's so much going on in this period right now. I'm really excited and I'm so excited. It feels like a, a huge weight off my shoulders, as well as a really cool thing to have done to take all of you, as well as you, Anna, on this journey through the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. This has been crazy cool. It's been a wild year and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's been good stuff. Yeah. So if you want more Skywalker, you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can also become one of our monthly patrons. Memberships start at $3 a month, and we release bonus content every Thursday. Yep, yep. And send this to... Someone who's more machine than man. Someone who's, uh, this is my favorite joke. I have a lot of friends who are like, oh yeah, I had to go get my hip replaced. I'm like, I hope you got the extended warranty on this one. (laughs) I would say send this episode to your favorite supervillain on rollerblades. Yeah. Or get rollerblades. Or get rollerblades. Both. Yeah, both and. (laughs) And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.